Um, before we get too deep into it, what does SWED stand for? Smoke weed every day. And no, I didn't come up with that. (laughs) (laughs) Good evening or good afternoon or good morning, whatever time it is, wherever you are. This is Jordan. You're listening to the Curious Jord podcast. On this episode, I have Adam Blender, who is the director of operations for the SWED Society, which is a medical marijuana dispensary in British Columbia, Vancouver. Um, In this episode, we sat down and talked about his shop and the things that they offer. We also talked about the current state of legalization in um, the municipality that he's in and um, just Canada in general. And we also talked about all the... um, the sort of legalities and things surrounding the industry at this current point in time. It does seem like we're at a, uh, a special time, kind of at the end of prohibition, in a sense. Anyways, I hope you enjoy. It was, uh, it was a fun time sitting down with him, and I'm glad he could uh, share so much of his time. Thanks again to the Swed Society and Adam Blender. Please enjoy. Today I'm here with Adam Blender, the Director of Operations for the Swede Society. Swed Society. Swed? Okay. (laughs) There we go. Um, Yes, why don't you tell me about uh, the Swed Society and what it is that you do and just give me a basic rundown of your operations. Sounds good. Uh, So we are a medicinal cannabis dispensary. We've been operating for three years now. Uh, Our first and only store as of right now is on East Hastings Street, uh, Kitty Corner to the P&E Playland area. Um, We provide medicinal cannabis to anyone that has a prescription for cannabis itself with a valid 19 years of age or older government issued ID. Um, If they don't happen to have the actual prescription for cannabis, we still do actually uh, allow the usage of a prescription bottle with their name. The prescription has to be within the last year, and it also has to be something pertaining to cannabis that we know it aids in. So if someone brings us an antibiotic for something that we know cannabis hasn't been proven to treat, we can't honor that. If it's something that's been treated for PTSD, there's been research, there's studies show that cannabis does aid in that. We will allow the usage of that. Um, yeah, like I said, we've been doing it for three years. Uh, we branched out into Toronto uh, last year. We had a few stores open in Toronto, and I'm not too sure how familiar with our but with what's going on in Ontario, but it's polar opposite what's happening in Vancouver. BC's really taken the stance that this is something that can heal and we're going to allow business permits to be given and issued as long as you do these, these things by the rules. And Toronto was, we don't care what you're doing. We're shutting you down. We're raiding you. We're taking all your belongings and arresting people. So we didn't want to be involved in that part of the world or Canada that is doing that type of business. So we got out of Toronto last year uh, and I'm currently building the new store, which will be our flagship store on Robson street. We are going to be the first and only licensed by the city of Vancouver medicinal dispensary in the core of Vancouver. So we're really excited about that. And that should be opening within the next couple months. That's awesome. Um, before we get too deep into it, what does SWED stand for? Smoke weed every day. And no, I didn't come up with that. <laughs> I was like, well, I was pronouncing it Swede, right? Yeah, so yeah. I was like, maybe it's a Swedish dude or something. Like, <laughs> no, you know, not play exactly. On something, but. All right. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so like you said, BC's sort of taken a uh, more proactive stance to it and they understand its medicinal uh, value. Um, how, like, what's the current situation in BC with regards to uh, legalization and where, 
will you guys enter that picture? Okay, so as of right now, we are running with the municipal guidelines set out by Vancouver. They've issued a long list of what we have to follow in order to be licensed within Vancouver. Sadly, that's not provincially. If you were to operate this exact same business in, say, West Kelowna, they're actually undergoing the shutdown process right now because the RCMP in West Kelowna and the district or city, whatever it is of West Kelowna, have said, no, we don't want these businesses to operate. So... As an example, 300 meters or more away from any community center, school, something like that. Um, you have to be away from that. You have to not allow, um, as it is right now, 19 years of age or older. That may change depending when the federal government legalizes it next year, but that's what we're sticking with. Um, they're talking about doing 18. We're not touching that until the time comes. Uh, and then uh, there are municipal rules in I might get this wrong, but it's Victoria, Nanaimo, and I believe there's a couple other cities within this within the province of British Columbia that have allowed municipal or medicinal cannabis dispensaries as long as they follow these set of rooms rules. Squamish is another one that allows it. Okay. So as of right now, um you're registered as a medicinal dispensary and that's all on the board. That's and they're aware of everything that goes on within your shop and there's licenses for it. The current store that we operate right now on East Hastings is actually in the middle of an injunction. Um, we went through, we were actually within the first 10 dispensaries that saw the board of appeals. This happened, ooh, I want to say two years ago and we set our piece. Um, they are telling us that our current location is too close to a school. Uh, they measure from property line to property line, which is the very, very end of the building we're located in, oh, to okay. the very, very corner of their backfield. Yeah. And they're saying that that distance is 133 meters. We need to be 300. So we met with the Board of Appeals. <clears throat> Excuse me. We went through the whole process of providing, I think it was over 600 person petition from all the people that come to us and stand by us as a business that we are doing everything as best we can to follow the rules and we don't cater to anyone under the age of 19. We have a security system. So you have to buzz to get in. There's a camera at the front door so we can see who we're dealing with. Um, everything that we purchase is from medicinal growers. We test the products that we're allowing people to buy from us. And we went through the whole process of that, um, stating the fact that we find it quite odd that alcohol that has been proven to kill people every year in many different ways. Um, you can put one up, up the street from a school and there's no bylaws or anything to stop you from doing that yet medicine, which has been proven to medicate and help people with their issues, ailments, diseases, whatever it may be, you have to be 300 meters away. So through a longstanding process, we basically set our piece and they went back to the, uh, I forget his gen the gentleman's name, but he was someone from the city of Vancouver and they all looked at him and they're just like, yeah, we basically don't care what you're doing is still against the law. We, we say you have to be 300 meters away or further and then went to the board and the board was like, well, I guess we don't have a chance to overrule this. He just said, you're not allowed to do it and said, we're not allowed to be there. So then we instantly went to our lawyer and we're like, that wasn't a fair hearing. The city of Vancouver isn't supposed to tell the board of appeals what they are and are not allowed to do. It kind of defeats the purpose. So we ended up, um, was it suing the city? I think is the words they ended up using. We just retracted that, um, earlier this year. And now we're in an injunction with maybe I want to say it's another 13 dispensaries that this exact same situation has happened. 
Um, one was turned down. I feel like they were 295 meters instead of 300. And they're just like, nope, you're within 300. And they're like, oh my goodness. So we're a part of that as a collective now saying okay. that we didn't receive a fair appeal and we'd like to be heard again with reason within reasonable grounds and not be told um, by the city what you are and aren't allowed to do. So that license that we have, we will be transferring to the Robson location, which the city has already granted us permission to be there. That's the first step in allowing a, a licensed dispensary within Vancouver. The city of Vancouver has to say, you're within this, you're not far enough away from this, you're doing this. Okay, cool. Now you can apply for your development permit. So that's where we're at right now. Okay, cool. Um, just to go back a little bit, you said you were in Toronto first and it was kind of a lot of BS in Ontario. Yes. With- with all that, could you lay out that situation? Sure. Um, so we went to Toronto with the mindset that Canadians, Canada as a whole, would kind of be a bit more, I want to say intelligent, but it's not intelligent, informed, not as ignorant on the benefits of cannabis. And we pers- per, um, we ended up going over there. We opened three stores within a matter of four months and all operating with the exact same guidelines we use in Vancouver. They weren't near a school. They weren't near any of the other things, a community center, 19 years of age or older, had to have a valid prescription and all that jazz. And within February, March, April, May, four months of being there, um, the Toronto Police Department carried out a raid known as Project Claudia. They hit 43 dispensaries across Toronto and put it all over the news and said they're taking drugs off the street and this cannabis can kill. And what if a kid got a hold of this and this doesn't have any, what was the thing that got so many people upset? These, these edibles don't have any of the ingredients listages or the dosages. You could die from this stuff. And people are like looking at the the edibles as they're sitting there and can read the ingredients (laughs) in the hearing. And they're just like, I don't think you have your information quite right. Um, so went through that whole process. Um, once we were raided, we all thought it was very like they were in the wrong. We're not, we're trying to help people by what we're doing. We're not just slanging drugs to anyone. We're actually selling medication to people that have tried prescription pills and it made them more sick. So a lot of these people, doctors would recommend coming to us, but because of the state that the law was in, Doctors weren't comfortable writing a prescription for cannabis, but it's okay to give them a little, Hey, go check out a dispensary, a little nudge. They might be able to help you out. Oh, so we got people all the time. And as long as they provided the documents that we requested, we'd help them out. So we ended up reopening each of the three shops within the same week. Once we had been raids, obviously at huge cost to us because of all the product, our staff were arrested. Our managers were charged like a bunch of things, but we're out to make a difference in a positive manner. We didn't leave any of our, any of our staff members high and dry. We made sure we take care of their legal fees and make sure that they're all taken care of. We reopened. And I think it was within another three weeks. We were then raided a second time. And at that point in time, we're just, why are we trying to be in an area where we're clearly not wanted? We're trying to help people, but they don't even care at this point. It's just like, it's a mass overhaul. Everyone get out of Ontario, especially Toronto. We don't want you here. So rather than doing something that we knew that they were against, 
We're just like shut down shop. Let's concentrate on Vancouver where they've welcomed it with open arms as long as you do things by their books. Yeah. So we got out of Toronto completely and said, thank you very much. We still know people out there. The battle's still going out there. Toronto is still raid. Toronto police department is still raiding people to this day. Actually, we just got some guy called like, yeah, one of the stores is being raided. And we're just like, ah, still. Yeah. And Ontario put through the claimed we're going to run things corporate in Ontario, 150 medicinal cannabis dispensary, actually recreational because when they legalize, it'll be rec um, dispensaries across Ontario. And that will take care of your needs. Now I may be doubting. I should be doubting myself. It might be just Toronto, 150 stores, not Ontario. Um, and to us, that's such baloney, especially for people in Vancouver. A lot of times they compare it to the liquor system that we have. And in Ontario, they have the beer store and yeah. they have the LCBO. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Ontario. Yeah, yeah. I'm from Toronto. Originally. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if you're agreeing with what I'm saying or disagreeing, but <laughs> I'm totally open to just see what happens. Like, um, it sort of makes sense to me in one regard that, uh, um, maybe the government should be in control of it and sell it from a place like the LCBO or something like that. But then, the LCBO closes at six on Sundays. So like, I'd rather go, <laughs> I, I love out here because they get all these private liquor stores exactly. and stuff, right? So it's, it's more of a convenience factor. You might pay a little bit more, but that's, yeah. that's it or whatever. Um, how did you get into all this? Are you coming at it from a business perspective or were you into the medical benefits of marijuana or a little both? It's kind of a weird story. Because I, <laughs> I was raised in a family where cannabis, marijuana, weed, whatever you wanted to call it, was a drug and was bad for you. Mm -hmm. My, I'm 36. My generation was in high school, in elementary school, these are your brain. This is your brain on drugs and the eggs cooking and that don't touch it. I stayed away from it. Anyone that was using it, I was like, ugh, thought it stunk, didn't want anything to do with it. Um, I came from, I come from a 14 year experience within the nightlife industry of Vancouver. No familiarity with cannabis whatsoever. I was very much what I call an ignorant person when it came to cannabis. I didn't know its benefits. I didn't know its effects. I didn't understand much about it. And, um, I ended up uh, meeting someone that ended up saying, Hey, this is what I'm doing. You have experience running a business, making a build business, building a business. Um, are you interested in this, that the legalization will be coming? It's totally turning around. And I said, you know what? I think that's something I might be interested in. So then I had to educate myself and I read, I lost track of how much I read on cannabis just to kind of learn all the aspects of it. Cause obviously it would be legal if it didn't have some kind of negative effect. And for me, that was development in children. You didn't want to give children high doses of whatever. And they say, stay away from that. So I read on that, but then everything else was positive. It's like no one in the history of the world has died from a cannabis overdose. And I was like, people die every year from tobacco. They die every year from liquor. Why are those allowed and not cannabis? So it made me dig into it more. So then as it went and I kind of, I don't want to say fell in love with cannabis because I don't use it to this day. It's I've tried it to help with my insomnia, but it just wasn't for me. So I'm not the type of person where, oh, it didn't work for me. I don't know how any of these other people use it. Because I speak to the people on a daily basis at the store that are so thankful we're there. Oh, it's helped with my Crohn's disease. Oh, it's helped with my cancer remission. Like that makes you feel like a million bucks to know you're doing something that is helping someone. 
rather than being in the nightlife industry where you're partying until three in the morning and you're basically killing someone's liver and they don't want to be alive the next day. So I went from destroying people's livers to helping people (laughs) all over the place. Um, And that's what got me into the industry. And I love it. It's a super, super cool point in time right now where it's like the prohibition, I feel, of liquor is the similar to this, where it's like the prohibition of cannabis and hopefully coming to an end and Mm -hmm. people realizing the benefits of it. So it's a really exciting time. That's why I got into it and why I'm staying in it. That's awesome. Um, I read an article the other day. I think it was off the website, your website, um, and it was about the uh, legalization date. I think it's, is it in the spring of 2018? July 20, July 1st, 2018. They're claiming that they're they're going to have it. Yeah. So the article was saying that um, I think they wanted to do a pushback because law enforcement was saying they wouldn't have the necessary tools to... um, do roadside tests mm-hmm. or arrests or, or to be able to identify if someone was intoxicated. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's your like insider stance on that? Do you know anything about it or sadly? No, they've been very, very tight lipped on it. It's what we know is what we see on the news. Um, last time that we heard more in-depth information, which will be again in January was the Lyft Expo in Vancouver. It's just a cannabis expo where people from growers to consumers to retail outlets, everybody kind of goes to it to kind of pick everybody's brain. They have panels up there and on the panels, uh, someone spoke from the actual board of who's creating, I I think it's called the Cannabis Coalition, something or other. Um, He was speaking to us about how things are going to happen and they're not going to do this, they're not going to do that, but they're going to do this. Um, so the last you read is essentially what we know right now that, um, July 1st, 2018, um, the federal government saying that they'd like to have all the rules and regulations set out and for it to be legalized across Canada, um, recreationally, but a lot of the independent cities, the boards are coming back to the federal government and saying, we won't have the proper things set up for us to govern this, to police this. So if you make this legal, then we're telling you now we won't be able to properly watch out for whatever you shouldn't be doing, i.e. driving heavily medicated and causing an accident or something like that. Um, so it's, it's hard to say. It's, I, I personally, just myself, don't see it as a recreational drug because it doesn't have those effects for me. So yeah. it's, for me, it's the people that are using it medicinally. That's awesome. And as long yeah. as they do it right, that's fantastic. But um, I don't feel like at this point in time, they've been crystal clear on what they're doing. They're trying to keep it as hush hush as they can. So yeah. God forbid it happens. They can say July 1st, oh, we're not quite ready. Now we're pushing it back to this date and then you'll get the big uproar. But yeah, that's how things work in politics. I feel like um, we're in the same boat with our approach to it because it's not for me. Like I don't like to use it recreationally, but um, I did. I was working night shifts last year, earlier this year, rather. And, um, I couldn't sleep. I'd come home and I'd be like, how am I going to, it's bright. Like there's noise. And then, uh, I found out about edibles, like the little gummy ones. And then like each brick was a dose or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was super cautious. I took like half of like the minimum recommended or whatever. And then that was it. Like got got a little hungry, (laughs) fell asleep and I woke up refreshed. I was like, Oh, this is awesome. Like, and it didn't come along with any of the negative effects That's fantastic. from like smoking it or using it at a party, abusing it essentially. Right. And then for me, that was when it started to emerge as more of like a, a medical uh, assistant of some kind, yeah. right? So it's kind of cool. And I think um, the the outlook on it is changing too, specifically with uh, 
the older generations, like they're starting to see the applications of it when it comes to um, arthritis or any kind of pain. And mm-hmm. it's like a holistic alternative, right? Yeah. So that's the kind of cool thing about it. Um, a lot of our patients actually are elderly. Yeah. And they're so timid, shy, and cute when they come in. They're just yeah. like, oh, can I get some marijuana? And you're yeah. like, oh my God, yeah. how can we help you? And they're like, oh, my doctor said this. And your example was perfect. I have rheumatoid arthritis. I'm in pain all the time. My doctor recommended I come in and get a cream for it that's infused with cannabis. We're like, heck yes, bring in your doctors, your things. We'll set you up. And they come back within a week's time just glowing. Oh my goodness, I feel so much better. I don't have to pop these pills anymore. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And it, that's what makes us feel like you just telling me that story. It made me feel awesome to know that something that you had a problem, the same one that I had working nights for 14 years and not being able to sleep during the day, that it did work for you. Yeah, That's so awesome to hear, especially the fact that you woke up refreshed. Yeah. That's my problem is I don't wake up refreshed. <laughs> I'm just tired. Well, I, woke, I woke up as refreshed as you could be on yeah. the night shift. Right? Yeah, totally. But never fully fresh. No. Agreed. I was in this weird zombie state when yep. you're walking around. Yeah. Um, you were saying that uh, you get all of your uh, medical marijuana from medicinal suppliers Um and you said it was tested. How is it tested? Uh, we send it away to a lab called MB Labs. It's on the island. Uh, you pay X amount of dollars. We send in a sample from the strains that we bring in. They test it for all of the pesticides and all that, your THC content, your CBD content. And then on our actual cabinetry above the strains that we sell, we have those cards so people can actually look and see for themselves. Sometimes it's a benefit. Sometimes it's a downer. Um, there'll be a strain that is very helpful, but because the one beside it tested at 3% higher THC, that one sells like crazy to people that may benefit from the lower one as well. So it has a kind of a, it has a definite positive effect, but at the same time, it's sometimes has its, its drawbacks, but we'd rather do that and provide clarity and the transparency to our customers that this is what it is. We're not one of those people that it's, I always make the comparison of snake oil dealers back in the wild, wild west. This will cure everything. And it's like yeah. water and there's nothing in it. Yeah. I imagine that people are buying terrible quality flour, just grown with pesticides and all this gross stuff in it. And then just selling it to anyone claiming it's medication. That's the kind of stuff that can hurt you because it's not grown properly. That's why uh, licensed producers in Canada have to follow so many guidelines of what you are allowed to do and are not allowed to do with their flour. So people aren't ingesting or smoking or vaping or whatever they choose to do with it and causing them harm. So that's something that, uh, when I came on board, I was really stoked about doing that because a lot of dispensaries do not do that. And it's, I don't know if it's, if they're doing it to mask something or if they don't want to incur the cost that it cost us, or I don't know, they might just be thinking we don't need to people know what they're getting into. No, it's good. It's like when you go to the store and you get to see the ingredients on the back, right? You want to know totally if you're trying to be health conscious, what's in there. Mm-hmm. And it's good to know where it comes from as well. Mm-hmm. Um, can you uh, just explain the difference between THC, CBD and their benefits? Sure. So from my research, obviously, again, I'm not a years and years of experience kind of guy, um, but THC is the psychoactive part of cannabis. Um, CBD um, relieves pain and is uh, used in the regression of cancer and their cancer cells. That's It's non-psychoactive. It's non-psychoactive, correct. Okay. So um, people that are sensitive 
to anything to do with their brain cerebral um, they call it some people call it a cerebral high if they're really sensitive to that we will prescribe something very very low in THC so they get the medicinal benefits of cannabis without feeling kind of wacky or messed up um, people that want that cerebral high or people that um, uh, what's a good example anxiety and they're anxious they want the relief of something that makes you kind of feel Veg. You just want to sit on the couch and relax. It draws your anxiety out. Um, some people might use a higher THC content, but then there's always that fine line of using too much, and then it does cause anxiety. So it's it's not a it's not a science quite yet, and that's what I'm hoping that legalization will lead to. All of the studies that need to be done on it, so people can use it as perfectly as someone uses Advil or yeah. Tylenol. It's it, a lot of people do already use it in replace yeah. of Tylenol or Advil, but to the point where the studies have been done, like they know what acetaminophen does to the human body in many, many different ways. They know how ibuprofen does, and it's in so many products to the state because that studies, those studies have been done. The studies on THC and CBD are like one one hundredth of what has been done in the pharmaceutical business, and once that happens, all it's, it's going to change. It's going to suck for the big businesses that own all those Pfizer and all those massive companies because people are going to realize they can use a plant that they can grow in their own garden to help with these problems rather than putting a chemical from a factory in their body. Do you think like the big pharma companies, what's to stop them from just starting to sell marijuana? Like, Do you think they'll go that route? I think years and years down the road once people's mindsets have been changed and the ignorance has been lifted and the education has been brought forth i feel like there's a very good possibility um the problem with that is is from the research i've done growing is a science you can't just hey i'm going to grow this and grow the perfect plant everyone's capable of growing it but to make it as good as you can get it so you get the best medicinal benefits that definitely takes years of practice I know what the licensed producers, they're paying six figure salaries to master growers. They call them people that have been growing for years and have experience with tons and tons of different strains. They'll pay them six figures to come into their place and show their staff how they do things to get the best possible product. And that's something that they may end up doing it, the big pharma companies. Um, but at this point in time, I think they're sticking to the billions they're making off of everything else they're selling. Yeah. Yeah. So like, say if uh, you're looking for an employee at your shop and I come in for an interview and you ask me, what are your strengths or what related skills do you have? Mm -hmm. Oh, I sold weed out of my trunk for like the last two years. Like, do you get stuff like that? Is that valued experience? Like definitely not valued. Um, that's a really funny question. I've never had someone that because like you, just, you can't think. say you worked at a different dispensary or something unless they did in the last year or two. Which or I've whatever. had. Yeah, which I've had. People will come in and say I worked at this dispensary and it was horribly run and this and this and this. And then I can call back and do a reference. And some of them are just like, yeah, it didn't work out with them. Or they have a personal vendetta against them. But they're like, they suck. They're terrible. Don't hire them. And then you have to do your research. Um, I to this day haven't had anyone that says, yeah, I hawked weed in the back of my van or anything like that. Yeah. That's good. Uh, the majority of our hires and people that come to us, um, are really from different all walks of life. Um, I can't say that there's like a cookie cutter person that comes in those doors or sends in their applications. Um, we're actually doing a hiring process right now and there has been people that use the product daily 
to aid in their uh, problems that they have, whether it be depression or whether it be um, ulcerative, ulcerative colitis or whatever their problem may be. Um, and they use it on a daily basis. That is a, it, to me, it's, you know, from personal experience that I would consider a benefit as long as they're not medicated during the day on their shift, because we have a very strict policy. You cannot be high while you work. Um, we refer to it as medicated because that's exactly what the majority of people that we sell to are, are using it for is uh, medicine. So we don't want you coming into work like that. So if it's someone that says, I have to do it from morning till night, I'm sorry, it's not going to work out. We yeah. can't do that. But the people that are coming in, I have some experience. I'd say that's a definite plus. But one of the things that I look for in hires is retail experience. Because that's essentially what you're doing. Yeah. You're meeting the customer service needs that they have. You're walking through the products with them, providing them product knowledge, helping them make the most educated decision they can. And then they're on their way, making sure they have a positive experience while they're in the store. You could get that any retail store you're going to. You're going to go buy a new shirt. Yeah. Same idea. It's just this one you're buying medication. Mm-hmm. Would they be allowed to take CBD since it's not psychoactive? They would. It yeah. was something that I we'd ask prior to, is it something that you need to take daily? And the decision would be made. I think that's only happened once. And they took, they even bought their CBD capsules from us. So we knew that they were whatever it was, 99.8% CBD. There's 0.02% THC. We're like, yeah, we're okay with that. So let us know if you start feeling loopy Yeah, and nothing ever happened. So they were fine. It's like taking a Tylenol on your lunch break or something. Very much so. It's something that you can't really prove or get mad at them for doing if it's having medicinal effects. Um, you said you kind of came from a family that was complete polar opposite to yep. this. What what did your family and friends think about it? <sighs> when I first got on board, my parents were definitely not on not a fan of it. Well, kind of, what are you doing? Um, I'd say the the neatest response that I ever had was when my grandma came to visit from Regina, and she knew what I was working with because my parents had told her. But then the first hand from a, what was I, 35, 34 back then. And she was 81, 80 to really come from a different generation and be like, this is what I do, grandma. And this is what I'm selling. And she'd be like, wow, like you're helping people. That's like, that's really good. And I'm like, yeah, she didn't look at it as, oh, good. You're a drug dealer now. And I was really impressed. And she's like, oh, when your grandpa, before he passed away, we asked him if he wanted to use cannabis for its medicinal benefits. So it really opened my eyes to think that it's not just the younger generation that wants to use this for medicine. It's also the elderly. It's people like my parents who are in their sixties who have tried other things and it doesn't work for. So as the times are changing, I'd say my family's changing as well, more accepting of it. I'm sure that they've done, they'll probably never admit it, but they've probably done a bit of research themselves to find out kind of what I'm doing and, and how we're helping people and what we're staying away from because there's definitely do nots, do's in the industry. And there's things that are just, yeah, of course, you're going to help someone. Why not help them? Okay. Is there like um, any talk within the industry of this could, this is probably way down the road, but um, looking at other uh, psychoactive substances that could be used medicinally, say like MDMA, is, there's been some studies where it aids in uh, therapy with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and that kind of thing. There's also like ayahuasca that's people have been going down to South America for that experience. And I, I think it was Gabor Mate who's a addiction specialist. He works on uh, East Hastings and the lower East side. And, um, I believe there was a, 
a CBC did a piece on them a little while ago um, about a ayahuasca experience therapy type thing. He was doing it in the woods somewhere in BC. Mm-hmm. And of course, this is like taking a psychoactive substance, but it's coupled with intense therapy with a trained medical um, supervisor. Mm-hmm. Um, could you see dispensaries selling things like MDMA or <laughs> I am so non-informed. Yeah. I've never taken any kind of drugs. I've never even taken a drag of a cigarette. Yeah. So I'm really like a, a virgin when it comes to that. I've never touched the stuff. It honestly hasn't even come across my mind. So I wouldn't be able to speak on it mm-hmm. if they down the road, who knows? I, I think there was an article in the paper. Actually, I know there was it. My, one of my boss, uh, my boss just sent it to me like last week about how they did a poll about whether they think like heroin should be legal. And it was only like 76% of people like there's 24% out there <laughs> that think heroin should be legal. And I'm like, all I know is that it's terrible and it kills people and it ruins lives. But if there's 24% <laughs> of people that think it's yeah. good, okay then. Um, but I'm just so, I don't have the information to make an educated decision on that. Like I've heard of ayahuasca as well, about yeah. the people going down there and they have these crazy trips and it's super eye opening and, um, again, this is all hearsay for me because I haven't done the research, but it like opens up, um, opens up a train of thought or something that you've never had before. And people use it for creative development and stuff like, Oh yeah, I'm going to be, I need to write a book. And so I went on this crazy ayahuasca trip and came back and I wrote a book within a week. Yeah. I don't know if we'd ever be able to sell something yeah. like that until the actual research has been done and the studies have been done to make sure because again if it's a illegal substance they stop at about one percent of research say nope this is bad it's illegal done yeah it's a bit far down the road i was just sort of thinking about um if there did come a time when there were people lobbying for mdma to be sold in shops if they would be (laughs) comparing it to marijuana oh maybe they will and being like look Look what you maybe they will. MDMA was a part of my life for years in the nightclubs. You see all these people gnawing on their faces and you instantly know they're on something. I can honestly say I never saw an upset, angry person on MDMA <laughs> or it was lovey dovey, but I have no idea what it was doing to their brain or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where it all goes because I think as like our mindsets expand when it comes to this, it's going to change with perspective to other stuff. Totally. We're on the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the legalization of different things that the society of human beings as a whole thought were awful and terrible. (laughs) And now we're digging a bit deeper and finding out why they were made illegal in the first place. And, oh, there are benefits. Okay, maybe we should backtrack a bit. Yeah. Um, I saw on your website there's a franchise button where you can, like, call or send in your information and mm-hmm. assuming you get back with like an information packet or something. Yeah. How does that all work? Is it like opening up a subway? Is it <laughs> like all the royalties and like that? You kind of just thing? saying that is what we joked about with our franchise specialist. You want to make it as easy as opening a subway yeah. because to us, subway is an extremely well off uh, franchise. It, it does well for itself. I myself haven't really gone into a subway where you're just like, this place sucks or this it's like not the same as the others. Mm-hmm. So we spent a lot of money and time working with our franchise specialists to create uh, franchise documents as well as uh, disclosure documents and everything from our lawyers as well. So if someone wants to come on and become a franchise, 
when it's legal, we aren't granting franchises until the, uh, the legalization has come through, but we're making a list because obviously people want to get in when the getting's good. So if people are getting to us now, we're going to put them at the top of the list compared to legalization has been out for a month. We're not going to prioritize them above. Yeah. So they submit their name, their email, any questions they have. And we get back to them kind of with like a, a brief synopsis of what's happening, what's taking place, what we're able to offer. But we try to, we're trying to provide, um, the foundations to have a store with proper training, um, knowing that your product is going to be coming from a reputable source, um, knowing that all the rules and regulations that we follow have worked and have been a successful business model. Most people that are, um, investing into franchise opportunities are someone that are business minded. They're doing it to make money. And we need to be able to prove that the system that we have in place does make money and follows the rules and is by the books and helps the people. So, um, it's so far, it's been a success. We haven't really put ourselves out there too much in the franchise world as we just wrapped up all the documents that we needed for it two months ago. So it took us a hell of a long time. I didn't realize the amount of work that was involved in creating franchise documents, but it's a long time. Are there people that have been inquiring? We probably have about 10, 11 people that have asked. We actually have people from California that have reached out to us okay. and said, Oh, we've heard good things and what's going on up there. And oh, can I get another spot? And I was looking at a place on whatever cross streets in Vancouver and we're like, oh, it's not that easy. Yeah. <laughs> you can't just pop up a shop and here's your franchise stuff because down in California, there's obviously different rules and different laws. So with those people that we've talked to, we have to give them kind of, this is where the law is at right now. These are the steps that the government's saying they're going to take. And once those steps happen, then we will be back letting you know everything that it takes. This is what it costs to get you in the door. This is what your royalty fee is. This is all this stuff. And then we push that, that information on them. So they know kind of what they're getting into. Okay. Um, I've traveled across the country a couple of times and I've seen can of clinics like right across the country. Mm -hmm. Are they like the McDonald's of dispensaries right now? Are they like at the top of the, I would, I wouldn't say the top, but I definitely say like the McDonald's attitude from what I know. Again, this is only personal opinion, not like hardcore research that I put like, into it, but it's it, like, there's like seven or eight in Toronto. They like, just, they <laughs> don't care about the rules. Yeah. They're going to open up and they're going to sell at Canon Clinic. I don't, I'm again, don't quote me on this, but I feel like they sell it recreationally. Hmm. They feel like cannabis is not a drug that's going to harm anyone. So sell it to anyone who wants it as long. I, I feel like they have to be 18 or something they sell to. Is I, that, is that okay to do that? Like in my opinion, no, okay. I don't think it should be sold recreationally at this point until the government has said, yes, you can. Um, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, I guess it's just personal opinion from what I've seen and from the research that I've done that start, I guess, start off small baby steps, do it medicinally, make sure that system works is in place and then go wreck. If they go full wreck, cool. It's to them. They can do what they want to do. They're the government of Canada. But, uh, for us, it's, we, we see the Canada clinic is just popping up all over all the best to them. I hope it works out. I hope they're part of the transition into cannabis being accepted by everyone or almost everyone. And no, it's not some toxic substance that's killing people. Um, but I know that when we were in Toronto, I think they had a few other as well. I believe they were part of the initial raid that happened to, again, don't quote me on that. I could be wrong, but, um, to them, it's, they play by their rules. If we want to open up in this city, we'll open up in that city. And I'm yeah. <laughs> do what you want to do. That's a big risk. Yeah, for sure. Um, it seems like they're 
they've got a bit of muscle now that they've got the ball rolling and they've mm-hmm. got so many shops, right? They've, they've got that ability to just plot them down wherever. Yeah. Um, there's definitely an up and a downside to that. Once you're that big wig, that big fish, who are the cops going to come after first? The exactly. little small guys with one or two shops that are barely keeping it afloat or the guys that are expanding like mad across Canada that are doing huge sales because they're pushing it to anyone. Yeah. That's something I would fear if I was Canna Clinic. Yeah. I, I know um, there was one in, uh, I think it was in Kamloops. I believe it was Canna Clinic that got shut down because they were literally in the same parking lot as like a daycare. Oh my God. Like right, ac- you could see it. I drove past it. I was like, oh, but there was also a liquor store oh, there. There you fun. go. See? Right. And no one bothered the liquor store. Of course not. Yeah. There's probably a bum hanging out outside the liquor store begging for change so they can buy their liquor to make it through another day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting to see. Um, especially there's still that ongoing idea of like, it's a drug, you know, it's under, mm-hmm. it's Coke. It's the same thing as Coke and heroin and schedule two. Yeah. So it's like, wow, it's interesting to see the perceptions change on that. Oh yeah. Uh, how many people do you have employed at your, uh, right now? Eight, nine, okay. eight or nine. Not a huge shop. We're pretty, pretty tight knit. Yeah. I try to treat it like I did with the staff at the nightclubs that I ran as like a family. Just treat everyone the way you wish to be treated. Yeah. Have open lines of communication and it's been going really well so far. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if this is like out of line to ask or not. Um, but what kind of revenue are we talking here? Like that I couldn't answer. Okay. Yeah. What about, um, these deliveries like that you'll get? Obviously it's, sought after product like in the black market like marijuana and stuff these kinds of uh, edibles and flour and that stuff it does it just come in like a truck like a regular store is it just what do you mean deliveries like people that order online uh no no what i mean is you, when you're getting it from like your wholesaler or your distributor oh, how they bring it into us yeah yeah they'd bring it in through packaged boxings all vac sealed all properly organized and labeled from the growers and we then bring it in do our quality check on it if we like it get it tested if it comes back then we purchase Mm -hmm. all right um do you know how many uh, medicinal growers there are in a lot yeah a lot when years back this is not part of my forte but years back when they granted all those license for private medicinal use to grow your own product they handed out X amount of licenses for people that can grow their own product. And what ended up happening is a lot of those people had all this abundance of medication that they didn't need. So they were growing all these plants. They took care of their own needs and they're like, okay, what am I supposed to do with this now? They ended up outsourcing to all these medicinal dispensaries saying, I have this product. I've grown it really well. It's medical grade, but I've already met kind of what I need for as a person. So technically, that is one of the reasons that the government doesn't like dispensaries because they can't qualify where your product is coming from. They can't regulate it. Um, we then end up buying their excess product off of it and using it as medication for other people rather than themselves. Okay. Those are individual growers. Yep. And then would they need to acquire a proper license to become a medicinal? Yep. All those people that do, um, grow with the medicinal license, excuse me, they have put through all the paperwork through the federal government to say, here's my doctor's prescription. Here's all my applications stating that my name is Bob and I have a prescription for whatever. And the life or the government has given me 30 grams a day that I need to take care of my illness. And then, okay, here's your license to grow 10 plants. 
I don't know if these numbers are accurate, but I'm just giving you an example. They grow those 10 plants and notice that they're good with six of them. I have what I need. So those extra four plants that they've been growing for and tending to and taking care of, those are the ones that they'd be like, okay, well, I'll go see if someone else with medicinal needs can use this. And that's how they started coming to dispensaries. How does it all work with um, people who are producing edibles? That I don't know because the city of Vancouver made a bylaw when they put the bylaws in place that you're not allowed to sell edibles within a city uh, Vancouver dispensary. With that said, some dispensaries still do do it, but we didn't want to. We just want to do everything we can to play by the rules so we can be one of the long-standing ones and held in very high regard with the city and with the people who come to us. So edibles, who knows? Yeah. I know that before the bylaws came in, um, edibles would be brought to us and they'd have the dosage, um, all the ingredients that they used and the warnings keep away from children and stuff like that. And then as soon as the bylaw came in, we just stopped carrying them. Okay. It sucks because you just gave a perfect example earlier of how it works for you. And I know some of the mums and some of the parents, I shouldn't say mums, parents were concerned. Um, yeah, you guys are making lollipops or you guys are making gummy bears. Those are so, um, geared towards selling it to children. And to the people making these, they're like, I hadn't even thought about kids. I'm just trying to make a candy that someone can use to help taking a medication, not to sell to your child. Like the people that you talk to about that, they're like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. But they do have somewhat of a valid point. If it's not labeled properly, if the warnings aren't on there, if it's not like a tamper proof container or stuff, kids may think it's just candy. So it falls into the exact same thing, in my opinion, as liquor. You keep it in shelves away from your kids up high, locked up in your liquor cabinet or whatever. You tell your kids that is not for children. It's an adult-only substance. To me, it's the exact same thing. Yeah. So, yeah, we don't carry them. We haven't sold them in years, but there are still out there. You go to other dispensaries, they sell them freely. I have no idea where they get them from. Yeah. Yeah, I've always wondered that with those because um, you even hear like stories or warnings from people saying like sometimes the dosages are off mm-hmm. or like, oh, these are good or those are bad or whatever. Yeah, it's kind of a, that'll be an interesting area to see. How they explored, regulate it. How they regulate it. Um, are there any uh, like government sanctioned medical growers that dispensaries get their product from? Government sanctioned as in the government is like, like it's the government. The government's operation. Oh, so a licensed producer. Yeah. I, to my knowledge, no dispensary buys their product from a licensed producer. Um, one of the reasons that I know is through my dealings and speaking with people, um, we actually tried to open a store up to give you an example up in Pemberton. <clears throat> we were going through all the proper channels. We met with the city council, spoke in front of the, the people in the mayor and the rest of the council. And there were multiple people that stood up and spoke to what they had purchased from the federal government. And they were adamant that that product made them more sick than stuff that they grew in an organic farm up the street from their house or someone that they went to a dispensary in Squamish and bought. And some people were driving from Pemberton to Vancouver to get flour go back so they could have their medication because they didn't want to buy it from a licensed producer that is federally sanctioned. Um, so yeah, there, to my knowledge, maybe there is, but off the top of my head, I don't know of any dispensary that purchases their stuff from a licensed producer because of the, the feedback that a lot of people have given. Again, I'm not hundred percent sure. I think it was Tilray when they first started growing stuff, they had a massive recall on their product because it 
didn't meet the standards that can, uh, the federal government had put out for quality of flour that they were producing. And these people that had bought it and already used it, like, well, too late for you, but all this stuff, now we have to recall it all. Um, a lot of people that these medicinal growers, it's like their pride and joy. They take so much care of these plants. It's something that they look at as medication and they do it. They're not some giant business just trying to pump out flour to make money. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a very much a, a different mentality when it comes to the big grow ops compared to the, the little guys who have their licenses for 10 plants and are just trying to help other people. Yeah, that could be a problem that the big pharma companies face as well. You know, when they try to get into the industry, mm-hmm. like the quality of the plant, it'll be like, going to McDonald's to get a burger versus going to an actual place with grass fed beef and like true artisanal stuff. Yeah. Right? Um, is there anything in this industry that like surprises you or has been surprising you like on a daily basis or every day, <laughs> every day, just every day. Can you give an example? <sighs> I'd, I'd say it's, it's, I fall under the same category back in the day, but just ignorance. Yeah. It's, it's, I feel like more time has been spent researching it. More positivity has come from using cannabis as a medicinal aid. And there's still people out there that will not do the research and that will not admit that it can help someone. It's like, that stuff's evil. Get it away. Get rid of it. Do you have any idea what you're talking about? Or are you just spouting off things that you heard? That stuff is a constant, like, what the heck? Um, the other thing that surprises is what I spoke to earlier, just the elderly, the people from a different generation that are coming in and being like, Hey, this is, this is great. What you guys are doing here is fantastic. My doctor recommended it. So I decided to come and, Oh man, you guys are professional. You guys just blowing us up with compliments for a job well done coming from a generation that I honestly didn't think would be behind it. Um, that's also something that I am constantly amazed by every day. Um, finally, I'd say that the government, it's, I understand that they're trying to do the right thing. It's just how they've dealt with it. For instance, the stuff in Toronto, like you're telling us that it's going to be legal and that that's not harmful and we're going to make this yet. You're still spending God knows how many dollars, tax dollars to get the Toronto police department to raid all of these dispensaries, arrest people that are working at them, costing them goodness knows how much. Even though you're saying in seven months or eight months, it's going to be completely legal and there's going to be nothing wrong with it. It's just, it's really strange thinking to me. Yeah. Um, when it comes to research and new research, do you have someone on staff who's dedicated to keeping in touch with that? You? <laughs> you're the guy? I'm not necessarily the guy. We all do our part, but as technology goes, um, we try to share it as much as you can. Yeah. So whether I'm on Facebook, whether I'm on CBC news, where I'm on CTV news, whether I'm on high times, whether I'm on, there's so many different outlets now that you can find stuff on if you look for it. Um, anything I find, I share on all of our platforms. So I just shared the stuff I brought up earlier about West Kelowna being shut down. And I wrote like, this is a shame. Like, I can't believe this is still going on, even in BC where we're so much more pro cannabis than out East. And I sent it to all the staff, like just, just know that as much as we're trying to fight for something, which we believe is right, there's still people out there that are just like, no bad, get rid of it. Um, and then, as you said, on the website, you've been able to see stuff. Our news articles, we put up, we try to put them up every two weeks to kind of just keep people enlightened with what's going on. Um, that's just from our own digging around. Uh, I provide the staff every, every, like every second or third shift, an hour or half an hour of research. 
so they can sit down, plug in, put their headphones on, watch uh, videos on the different flowers that we carry, the different effects they have, following up on accessories that we carry, how they work, um, the benefits of them compared to other ones, and then anything going around just in general times. We, we try to keep up to speed a bit with what's going on in the States, just because I feel like as much as the federal government isn't trying to copy what the States did, they're trying to learn from their mistakes and do it slightly different. So we also spend time looking into that as well. Can you explain what dab is? Dab? Dab or shatter or <laughs> clear, clear up some of these, uh, these right. terms for me. Uh, I'm going to get this wrong because again, I'm not a cannabis <laughs> user. Um, I feel I'm going to totally get this wrong. I feel like sh- shatter is, um, withdrawn through a, there's different steps you can use to withdraw and extract it from the plant whether it's like CO2 extraction or there's other types of extraction methods and they pull out in essence, like pure THC, pure CBD without anything else. And they turn it into like, it's like a hard resin and depending on the terpenes, meaning like the different flavorings that they'll put in, because sometimes they'll add like a grape flavor to it. So when you're using the product, it doesn't taste like grass. It tastes like grape. Um, that is a very purified, very uh, concentrated form of cannabis. Uh, dabbing, I'm terrible. I, I don't even want to attempt to describe that besides the silly dance move thing that I'd see yeah. kids do. Oh yeah, I know I, that. I know like some of the staff <laughs> talk about it, but it's just, it's, I don't need to, to me, that's something I don't even need to learn about because yeah. I'm not going to touch it. <laughs> I was driving down the road the other day and there was these two kids that were probably like 10 and as we're driving by, they just do the dab thing. <laughs> <laughs> My girlfriend what does it just, even mean? <laughs> like, yeah, right. I still don't know to this day. Yeah. Um, all right, man. That's about an hour of your time there. I know you're a busy dude. Um, is there anything you wanted to direct the audience to, to uh, learn more about medical marijuana or your shop? Or I just say overall to just inform yourself. Just do the research. Spend the time, even if it's an hour on your lunch break or something while you're munching on your sandwich. All that knowledge will be beneficial to you in the long run. Whether you're pro-cannabis mm-hmm. or you're against it, it's just better to be informed as a human being rather than making ignorant decisions. Um as a store, we'd love for people to just come ask questions. To come in the store isn't against the law. If you have curiosity, we're happy to answer anything. If you don't have a prescription, if you don't have anything pertaining to cannabis usage, we won't be able to serve you, but we can sell you accessories. We can sell you rolling papers. We can sell you vaporizers and stuff. We just can't actually sell you the actual product of cannabis in its forms. Um, knowledge is power. I still believe that to this day. And the more, you know, the better decisions you can make. So if you have any questions, stop by our store right now at 3450 East Hastings street. Uh, as I mentioned previously, it's, it's beside the McDonald's kitty corner to the PNE playland area. And then our new store we're hoping to have open within the next couple months. Our goal is before Christmas and that's going to be, uh, 1429 Robson street. It's Robson and Nicola. It's underneath the Riviera hotel. And that's going to be our flagship store. Um, same idea, same principle, helping people as best we can. And as soon as that's open, everyone in the downtown core, we really hope you even, like I said, just come by, check it out, ask questions, 
just to see what the environment's like. A lot of people have the stigma of stoners and people hanging around getting nothing done and just Mm -hmm. (laughs) the place being a giant cloud of smoke. This is as about polar opposite as you can get from that. Uh, Very professional, well-lit, all the products maintained, all of its storage kept. Um, everything we have, we have iPad set up so you can do your own product knowledge, big TV screen. So you can see the menus, any promotions that we have on, um, the more people that come and visit, it's not about the dollar to us. It's about keeping people informed. Even if they choose to not go with cannabis, we just kind of spread the word and let people know that it does help people and it helps people in some very severe conditions that they may have that people don't realize it actually helps with. I think that's a good point you made. It's not illegal to go in there and ask questions. So inform yourself and, uh, yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, man. You bet. Appreciate it. No worries.